It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Everybody, welcome to Body of Christ Real Talk. Hola a todos, bienvenidos a una verdadera charla sobre el cuerpo de Cristo. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the introduction, my beautiful Princess Nimofu, Christina. Thank you, little Peewee, that beautiful infant child's laugh. I love it, I love it, I love it. This is Joseph Brownlee. Welcome to body of Christ, real talk. Where you going to hear nothing but real talk when it comes to world events, when it comes to local events, when it comes to lifestyles, when it comes to entertainment, when it comes to healthy news, and mainly when it comes to Bible news. All those together is going to end in this program with a biblical perspective. That's my main goal to end any conversation or any topic. I don't care if it's talking about exercise or food. I'm going to try to put it and end it with a biblical outlook or a biblical, better words to say, a better way to say it's a biblical Bible perspective or anything I get into on body of Christ. Real talk. Now, what's going to be the real talk for today? I want to piggyback on the last topic that I left off on about forgiveness, about understanding the broadness of what happened after the cross. I know I've done some teaching on this program about what I meant about the two sides of the cross. But what I want to talk about is piggyback back on forgiveness because there's there will never be enough conversation or explanation about forgiveness. The particular forgiveness I'm talking about, I'm not talking about you forgiving me for something that I have done against you or me, I, me believe forgiving you for something I've done against you. I'm not talking about that type of forgiveness. Uh, something like that or I'm sorry or anything like that. I'm talking about God's grace. I'm talking about God's type of forgiveness for you and I and the world. And the reason I'm I'm, I'm uh, talking about this again is because my main goal is for everyone that can be saved. Now, what do you mean that can? That means you have opening now to be saved. There really is no excuse that you can make in the eyes of God that can stop you from being saved now. And one of the main things that's debatable today 
within Christendom, body of Christ and church goers, is when it comes to reconciliation. What does that mean? And a lot of you know what reconciling means. But I want to piggyback. If you didn't hear the last uh, uh, program, go back to that one. This is just like, I'm just adding to it. I didn't plan this, but I wanted to talk more about forgiveness because, uh, and I want to talk specifically to both groups, the saved and the unsaved. The saved and the unsaved. The first group I want to just talk to if you're listening to this program, is the saved. The ones that call themselves Christians. The ones that say they are in the body of Christ. I want to talk to you all first before I talk to the unsaved. Because it, it what, I, what I got to talk about and what I got to uh, really try to get you to understand in the best layman term that I can about forgiveness. I don't claim to know everything about forgiveness when it comes to feelings. I'm not here to talk about feelings, feeling like forgiving or nothing like that. I want to talk about the biblical Bible perspective of forgiveness when it comes to the teachings of the Apostle Paul. Now, remember, I said the teachings of the Apostle Paul, not Jesus' earthly ministry, not Peter's or the Apostles' earthly ministry, not the forgiveness of the past and the days of the prophets and Moses and the saints of the past. I want to talk about forgiveness pertaining through the teachings of the Apostle Paul under this dispensation program for the church today. And I'm, I'm not talking about the forgiveness when the church, and that was the church out in the wilderness, I'm not talking about that church. I'm not talking about the kingdom church. When Jesus says, he he told Peter he would build his church on what Peter said in the book of Matthew. I'm not talking about the kingdom church or that type of forgiveness that was required for the kingdom church. I want to focus specifically, specifically on the type of forgiveness the Apostle Paul is talking about under the dispensation, the administration of grace, the gospel of grace, salvation in particular, salvation. What must a man do to be saved? Now, I'm asking to save that. If a person came to you and they asked you, Sincerely, what must I do to be saved? What will be your reply? How would you address that if a person sincerely came to you and asked you, What must I do to be saved? What salvation message I should be asking? What salvation road will you present to that person that's sincerely asking you how to be saved? What scriptures would you go to? Or would it be an opinion? Or would it be a guest? Guess. 
or will be will it be some type of traditional or some type of denominational road of salvation? Would it be first of all, will it be from the Bible? Will it be will it be from the Word of God, or do you really know? Then another question I want to ask: If you don't know how to be saved, the first thing that will come to my mind is: Are you saved? Are you saved? If I asked you, are you saved? And you say yes. And I ask you, how you know that? How do you know you are saved? Now, I'm not going to tell you, I'm not, this is not a trick question. I want you to keep this to yourself because this is very important what I'm going to talk about. What would be your reply if I asked you, are you saved? And a lot of you, you say yes. And if I ask you how you know you're saved, I'm sure I would get different replies. Most of them would probably be the same, but I would get different replies. And I also believe, hopefully I'm wrong, that most of them would be from the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, or whatever like that. Something from time past. Okay? And the reason I'm asking that is... When a person asks you how to be saved, and you don't even know how you got saved, but you say you are saved, something is wrong. That's something you really need to think about. If you cannot tell a person how to be saved, it's even worse or even even really messed up. Well, you don't even know how you got saved, but at the same time, you say you saved. Okay. Just say, for instance, you know how you got saved, which is good. You know you saved, and you know why you saved. And you believe you saved based on these verses or that verses or whatever like that. That's what you're going to tell that person. The way you get saved and you believe you are really saved, you are really a Christian, you're part of the body of Christ. The way you was told you got saved out of the Bible or from a denominational traditional way that you got saved. That's what you're going to tell that person. That's what they need to do to be saved. For instance, let me give you an example. If a person come to you and say, what must I do to be saved? And your answer come, you must repent of your sins. That's one way a lot of people will come to you. You must repent of your sins or they might add you must repent or confess your sins to Jesus and you will be saved. Or you must confess your sins to Jesus, which is according to your thinking, repenting means confessing your sins or stop sinning. You must believe who Jesus was. You must be water baptized and blah, blah, and and things like that. I'm just using a lot of denominational traditional formats. If you got 
or so-called believe that you were saved that way, that's what you're going to teach others on how to be saved. That's, that's, uh, it don't take a rocket science to figure that out. It's, 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 it gets complicated to yourself, not only the person sincere person, that sincere person that's really that really wants to be saved, that really wants to go to heaven, that really wants to stop the, the struggles they are doing. Because if they come to you with a sincere heart, and only God knows if their heart is sincere, you and I, they can fool you and I. But I'm just saying, just saying this person is sincere. They really want to be saved. They really want to go to heaven. They want to, they need some help to stop the things that they are doing because all that comes in one package, correct? And I'm sure they probably heard many ways of salvation, majority of them the same, but they heard different ways on how to be saved. And you come with them, they need to, they need to be forgiven. First. They need to be forgiven. And the way to be forgiven is repenting of your sins or confessing your sins, which some people call the sinner's prayer, which is not in the Bible, but I'm not going to get into that right now. And then after they get saved, if, or they think they have got saved their way, repenting of their sins, repent to a lot of believers. They think repent means stop sinning which it does not, but I'm not going to get into that now, not right now. Repent of your sins or confess your sins. Or let Jesus, here's another one, let Jesus in your heart. Or you must let, or you must do, go the Lordship salvation way of making Jesus your Savior, but only by making him Lord of your life. See, these different ways. Now, these different ways of salvation I'm going to give you a name to them because they came from somewhere. The name of like confessing your sins, repenting of your sins, that's more like a Calvinist way, a Calvinist theology type of teaching. Lordship salvation is mean you got to make Jesus Lord of your life. And you also must confess your sins and make him Lord of your life. Calvinism's theology is performance based. Mostly all Calvinism or Calvinist belief is performance based, okay? It's what you must do to be saved and you and what you must do to stay saved. That's basically a Calvinist belief. And a big chunk of denominations believe in the Calvinist belief. They don't know it's Calvinist. They think it's just the way it's from the Bible. But it's a Calvinist. It started somewhere. A lot of beliefs, traditional beliefs, started from somewhere, mainly man. They took something out of the Bible and man just distorted it. So a Calvinist way is mostly performance-based. Okay, they believe in predestination. They believe God. They believe God chooses people to be saved, and God chooses people to go to hell. That's basically one of the points. I don't know too much about the five points, but I, if you, if I'm wrong, let me know. But that's one of the points of a Calvinist theology that God predestined. That's the way they look at predestined as God choosing someone to be saved and choosing someone to go to hell. 
so they don't get too much into evangelism and trying to win souls from what I heard of winning souls because it's already been predetermined according to a Calvinist belief that God already chose the ones that go to heaven and he already has picked out the ones to go to hell. If you believe that way when it comes to salvation or keeping your salvation, you are teaching a Calvinist theology. Okay? Confessing your sins. You're teaching a Calvinist theology. Okay? You're, you believe in a predestined. If you got saved, God called you. He chose you from the beginning of the world. He chose you to be saved. Therefore, he didn't choose others, but he chose you. So performance base is basically a Calvinist belief. That's why many Calvinist theologies that's in denominations, that believe, they believe that you can lose your salvation. You have to stay saved on a performance basis. Okay, same as lordship salvation. Lordship salvation. Now, you could do a lot of study on their beliefs yourself. You know, you can Google it. These beliefs are not private. You can understand what they believe in before you even get involved in certain churches, because a lot of churches already got their church creed or certain traditions or what their statement of faith is that some churches might call it what they believe in. And that's very important to know what a church believes in before you join a church building. They have a certain statement of faith that you need to know about. They might not open it up, open right up with that uh, right away when you come to their church or you visit their church. But usually if you go to their classes and their schooling, uh, they have a certain statement of faith. Some of, some of them will let you know openly what they believe in, and some of them will just let you go along. You start thinking it's just, it's the it's the word of God, it's the Bible. But you, if you, you have to do your own due diligence and find out what their statement of faith is. That's very important before joining the church. Now, this is not about church joining, because the church is the body of Christ. I'm just talking about church buildings, okay? So I don't want to get, get nobody confused that's listening to me, okay? So Calvinist is one of them. Do you got the Lordship salvation? All right. The only way you, you could be saved when you confess your sins and you also repent of your sins. Okay, they believe repent means stop sinning or whatever or trying to stop. And making Jesus Lord of your life. Now, salvation, making him savior is not enough. You must make him Lord. That means you submitting your all to him by stopping, confessing your sins. You know, Lordship salvation. You know, the Ray Conference and the Kirk Camerons, you know, the actor and all of them. Lordship salvation. That's why they used to go on the streets and they ask somebody, have you ever done this? Have you ever lied? You ever seen that show? The Way of the Master. Have you ever lied? Have you ever done this? Have you ever committed a sin? Have you ever looked at, committed adultery? Have you ever done this? And they said, yeah. Then, then uh, Ray Comfort or Kirk Cameron said, you confess in yourself that you are a sinner. So you can't get away from that. You are a sinner. I used to, I used to, I used to follow that show. Yes, I used to follow that show, and I used to have somewhat of that belief. Thank God I was delivered from that. But that's how they get people to just say. Well, I think I'm a good person and everything like that. So they, they get them somewhat of a trap and ask them, have you ever lied? Sure. Blah, blah, blah. Have you ever done this? Have you ever done? If they say, yeah, that means you are saying you are destined for hell, which is true, which is true. But it's another part. It's, it's, it's more to that. I'm not going to teach on that now. But I, 
If you believe in Lordship Salvation, you believe that all people go to hell because of their sins. And they need to be saved because of their sins. So they need to confess their sins. And they need to believe Jesus is Lord. The one way is part of Lord's salvation, part of, because I don't know all, but uh, one of the deep beliefs of Lordship salvation is making Jesus Lord of your life. Trying to live a sinless life, which no man can live. Not even the ones that's telling you you need to get it together. And I don't believe they believe that, but they kind of have you on a tightrope. Okay. All right. Then you have other beliefs. Now, I'm going somewhere with this. I'm going somewhere with this. You have other beliefs. When the person asks you, how, what must I do to be saved? That would be one of your kickbacks. Depends what denomination you're in. Baptist, Church of God, Christ, well, just say Pentecostal, you know, Calvinist. They all kind of mix together sometimes. <clears throat> but they don't all agree on a lot of things. But they all, when it comes to salvation, holding on to salvation and assurance of salvation. They don't have a stronghold. They don't believe that they believe you can lose your salvation. If you believe in, if you believe in a performance legalized way of salvation, you believe that you can lose your salvation. So if you go to church that believe that you can lose your salvation, that's kind of a Calvinist teaching. That's kind of an old law kingdom teaching. Four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John teaching. But a man-made Calvinist teaching, Lordship Salvation. You know, they have different names. They call it Calvinist teaching, and they call it <clears throat> the Arminian type of teaching. See, they, both of them, got, it's always some type of tradition or some type of reason why a person believes the way they believe. I hope I'm making that clear. I'm not trying to do Bible study here. That's for connecting the dots. I'm just talking to the saved now. Okay. So are you one of those? How would you come back? What would be your comeback if a person asks you, what must I do to be saved? And I told you, if you believe that you got saved this certain way, that's how you're going to. To those who visit Mickey D's for their favorite breakfast item and then go somewhere else for coffee, give this Mickey D's brew a second chance. The glow up was real. Try any size iced coffee brewed with 100% Arabica beans for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with a savory sausage McMuffin with egg for $2.79. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Oh, come on now. You know you deserve it. A steak patty on any McDonald's breakfast sandwich. I mean any breakfast sandwich. Biscuit, McMuffin, Bagel, McGriddles, a juicy steak patty on any breakfast sandwich. And when you order through the app, buy one and get one free. Now go get them. Valid for product of equal or lesser value. Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid one time per day. Excludes one, two, three dollar menu. Teach them. That's how you're going to tell them. You need to be saved. You need to uh, repent of your sins, or you need to be baptized in water, or you need to do this, or you need to stop this, or you need to. It's mostly performance based, mainly the sin part, performance based. Okay? Majority of the churches is performance based. 
Now, you got some churches, they believe, they know about the grace of God. They know it's nothing you can do or you can perform to be saved. They, they know about that. They know you must believe what Jesus did, etc. They know about that. You have a lot of non-denominational churches believe that. Some people call it easy believism. You ever heard that term easy believism? All you have to do is believe or whatever like that, and you are saved, and you are destined for heaven. Okay? So you have that person just come, just let the Lord in your heart. You ever heard that? Let Jesus in your heart. Or the, the, uh, the sinner's prayer. Lord, I'm a sinner. The Joel Osteen type of sinner's prayer. And it's not only Joel Osteen, it's others that have that, Lord, come into my heart. I believe you died for my sins and whatever like that. It's, it's, it's somewhat of a sinner's prayer. My point is, my point is, whatever you are being embedded in and taught yourself from a denominational church that said it was from the Bible, or you just read it yourself, that's what you're going to tell somebody else, how to be saved. That's the way or what they must do. See, I'm putting emphasis on do to be saved. Some people believe that you must be saved only in the church. You must go up to an altar. Some people like Billy Graham believe that when you confess your sins, you must confess it openly. That's why a lot of people openly go up to the altar in Billy Graham's concerts because they believe in a showing. They got that. They said they got that from the Bible. That confessing means you confessing openly, so you showing by walking up to that altar. That's why a lot of people believe that way. See, many churches, churchism believes in certain ways of being saved. Basically, I'm a sinner confessing my sins, confessing my sins. Most of them believe you have to confess your sins. Most believe that you have to confess your sins or repent because they believe repenting means repent means stop sinning or trying to stop sinning. Okay. I don't want to use nobody as a straw man, but a, a lot of churches believe that you must confess your sins. Some, some not as many believe that after you say yeah, that you must be water baptized and it's like a step it's a, some, it's like a step program a step by step like, you, know, you ever heard of the 12 steps when it comes to alcohol, anonymous or anger or porn or whatever like that you know, it's certain steps some churches believe that there's certain steps you must do and must, must step, certain steps you must keep to maintain your salvation but I'm getting ahead of myself let me digress the basic uh, question is, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? That's why I'm going that route. Okay. Now, Joe, what's your point? This is very important. This is very important when it comes to salvation. What now, this is for both. This is for the saved, and this is for the unsaved. Okay, that's listening to me. This is key to belief when it comes to how to be saved. We as believers must 
understand or have some type of knowledge of what happened on after the cross. What do God, what happened, what, what, what's, what does reconciliation mean? What does it mean to be reconciled to God? What does it mean to be reconciled to God? You, you somewhat have an idea what that means. Okay. But a lot of believers that's been saved or think they saved for many of years, I put emphasis on things because I don't know if they saved or not. I don't know. I have to hear their confession and why they think they're saved. You know, if you believe that you are saved in one of these ways, before I go any further, that I haven't mentioned, the Calvinist way, the uh, the Lordship Salvation way, there's many different ways that people think that you can get to heaven, but I'm just talking about the main ways. Then you got the universal way. They believe everybody's going to heaven. God is not sending nobody to hell. So it depends who that person run into if they ask, how do I be saved? Or people ask that. They ask it at the same time. How do I get to go to heaven? Basic is that. How do I get to go to heaven? How do I get to see these pearly gates that I've been taught in my church surroundings from mom, dad, grandpa for years? How do I get to go to heaven? That's what they really ask because they don't want to go to hell. So what must I do? I know, uh, also, people ask because they want to change their life. They don't. They they tired of living that wild life. They want to change. They know it ain't right. They've been convicted, and the Holy Spirit has compelled them. Those are the ones that's really open. Those are the sincere ones I'm talking about. That the Holy people believers seem to forget. They got away that the Holy Spirit is the one that does the compelling. Paul said. I planted Apollo's water, but God makes it grow. So the Holy Spirit, the ones compels them. Now, that don't mean they're going to listen, but the ones that's really asking these questions, sincerely, that package of, I want to be saved, I want to go to heaven, I want to change my ways, is a true repent of heart. Repent of heart as in changing your mind. That's a true person that's asking that question sincerely, not trying to debate you or trying to get into some type of debate about different faiths. This person is sincere. I'm not here talking about that. I'm talking about a person that sincerely wants to know what must they do to be saved? What must I do like the Acts in the book of Acts? What must I do to be saved? Confess with thy mouth and you shall be saved and your house was the reply. See how fast that reply was? We need to have a quick reply. What must, If a person said, what must I do to be saved? See, we can give them a long story or a breakdown like too many believers do or churchgoers do, and then you run them away. But anytime you start mentioning sin, and a lot of people don't really understand sin. When the minute, the minute you start telling them what they need to stop doing. Most of them know that. That's why they're asking you. So you don't need to go to the formalities a lot of time. You can nip that in the bud. They are, most of them that's asking already know that. That's why they're asking or they heard it in church surroundings. They already know that. They just want to know how because they heard so many different ways. They're confused. We need to know how to give the right answer, especially when it comes to salvation. When a person asks, what must I 
do to be saved. And I'm going to tell you this. A lot of a lot of Christians says this, but most of them don't. They go through that format. A lot of what I just said, you know, the Calvinist belief, Lordship, salvation, you know, universal belief, and it's a lot of it's so much out there. The easy believism and stuff like that. Now, if a person came to you and you and you came with this easy believism type of answer. You just got to believe Jesus. You got to believe Jesus. You know, he died and, you know, and every, he died for your sins. You just got to believe and you shall be saved. That's all you have to do. Just believe that Jesus died for your sins. Now, is that true? It is true. That is true. Okay, you just expect if you just stop here, all you have to do is believe. They might have to come with another question. Believe what? Now, this is for the ones who know too much about Jesus and just heard certain stuff. Believe what? And then you explain to me he died on the cross for your sins. If you can get away from the doing things and you just leave it at that, and they have that question, he died for your sins, so you must believe that. Is that enough? Is that enough for them to be saved according to the Bible? Think about that. Is that enough? Or you need to tell them they need to confess their sins. They need to repent of their sins. And then, at the repentant of your sins, you must believe who Jesus was, what he done on the cross, and why he died. Okay? And then, as you get saved, you must be baptized in water. And then, after that, you have to pray, 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 pray until you get the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you're going to tell a person all that you most, nine times out of ten, you're going to lose them. You're going to Lose them because you've given them steps. They don't want to hear nothing about steps. See, I'm not saying that you're wrong, but you're just in the wrong program. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You are in a wrong dispensation. The steps that you are saying, yes, those are true steps, but they are not the steps for salvation today under the teachings of the Apostle Paul through Jesus heavenly ministry. That's my point. That's my point. So the steps you are telling them to do, 
you're teaching them wrong because they don't have to do that. Now, if they was in under the gospels program, under the kingdom program, yes, those steps they must follow. Believe who Jesus was. Repent for the remission of sins. Be baptized in water, and then you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. See, there is steps back then, but if you tell somebody they have to do that now, that's not the gospel. Watch out now. Some people might say, what? Really? Oh, no, man. I disagree. Okay, I understand that. But let me finish. Let me finish. Okay? Those steps are true. That is a gospel, but it's not the gospel for today. It's not the grace gospel. It's the kingdom gospel. See, it's the kingdom gospel. If you tell a person they just need to believe, like easy believing or whatever like that, they have more questions. Believe what? Why should I believe this? Then you have to explain more and more to it. Some people, you just have to explain. You can't throw a lot of theology on them. Because their spirit, man, is dead. They're not going to get it. Remember, the spirit is dead. The spirit, man, is dead in an unbeliever. It's almost like they non-existent, spirit-wise. Their spirit, man, is dead. So you can't throw a lot of theology at them. You got to milk them in. Those were the ones that asked the questions. See, some people are going to come to you with their own preconceived answers already in their head. They know that much. They just want to make sure they just want they just need a confirmation. You understand what I'm saying? They just need a confirmation of what they believe is true to be saved. Is it true that they have to go to a church altar? Is it true that they have to go to some type of program? Is it true that they have to stop all the sins they ever done, which they could never do? No man could done that. Only one that lived a sinless life was Jesus. See, those things, those questions, a lot of people that's not saved, they have those questions. You probably ran into some of those. Think about the times you somewhat, what we used to call, you won somebody to Christ. I understand the metaphor. You won somebody to Christ. You witnessed somebody. What did you witness to? How did they get saved? What message did you bring to them? And if it's not the wrong, the right message, they are not saved. But here's the flip part. If they just believe this is salvation, if they just believe of what Jesus done, he died for their sins and he rose again for their sins. If they just believe that, that's all it takes for them to be saved, period. I'm going around about, but that's that's period. That's salvation right there of what Jesus done, not who he was. It's important to know that, but you can learn more about that later. But what he done, his death, his burial, and resurrection for your sins, if you just believe that, what he done for you, they are saved. Now, this is why, I want, this is the main reason I'm piggybacking on that last uh, program. There's a struggle and a lot of battles and missing, I'm not going to say misinterpretation or just say straight out unbelief about 
what I'm fit to say about forgiveness for the unbeliever. Now, unbeliever, I want you to listen to this closely. And I'm going to read a few scriptures and verses that I often read about when it comes to what you must do to be saved. Now, take out all the other stuff I said earlier on, performance-based of salvation. What if I told you you don't have to do all of that? All that, that they are saying you're doing, most of it is true. It's from the Bible. No doubt about that. And it is a gospel, and it is a way to be saved. Okay? But what if I say that was the way under the kingdom program to be saved, but it's not the way to be saved today? So you might wonder, Joe, where are you going with this? Now, what I'm going to tell you and teach you is basically what I, myself and a lot of people believed. It's a traditional type of teaching, a denominational type of teaching, mainly from the four Gospels and the Book of Acts. When it comes to salvation, in those Book of Acts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels, and the Book of Acts, early Acts especially, the day of Pentecost and, you know, all the way to Acts 7, whatever like that. Early Acts, mainly, the, the, the way to be saved, basically, a lot of churches and believers get their salvation doctrine from the four Gospels and early Acts, the teachings of the disciples and Jesus' earthly ministry and Peter. Repent for the remission of sins, be baptized in water, and ye shall be filled with the Holy Ghost. It started changing, laying on down the line in the book of Acts, but I'm not going to do no Bible teaching on that. It's for connecting the dots for the saved person, the more mature person who really want to uh, understand the knowledge of the truth more. But I'm just talking to the unsaved and new saved, you know, uh, about how would they respond? Because people need to be saved. People need to be saved, young and old middle class, whatever. People need to be saved, but they need to understand. They need to hear the real gospel, the gospel of the day. How to be saved today. Not from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but under the teachings of Paul, Jesus' heavenly ministry. The other side of the cross. People need to understand. You need to understand how to be saved today. Now, let me go back. Now, what must you do to be saved today? The way to be saved today is believing what Jesus done on after the cross. When he died, he was buried. You can't get saved if it just stopped on his burial. It's the resurrection. When you believe that format, especially the resurrection, when you believe that, now what, why did I go back there? Because I was talking about easy believers. You just can't believe it happened. You can't go in here in your heart with a maybe. I believe something like that. Or blah, blah, blah. I heard about it, but I'm not sure. I'm kind of on the fence or that. That's unbelief. You, you will not be saved. You can't have that doubt. When it comes, you can have doubt afterwards, but before salvation, there can't be that little fence that 
when it comes to him dying for your sins. You can, oh, I don't know about all that. I believe that Jesus walked the earth. I believe he was a good teacher. I believe he done no signs and wonders and miracles. But the resurrection, uh, if you come with that attitude, you will not be saved because that's the, that's the meat of salvation for today. You would have got away with that then in the past under Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John because all the Israel, the Jews had to do and the proselytes had to do is believe who Jesus was. You cannot get saved that way today under the dispensation of grace under Paul's program. You cannot get saved by believing who Jesus was. You can only be saved today by what he done for your sins. Do you understand? I'm trying to make it very plain and clear so you can know if you're just listening to me. All those preconceived ways of salvation about confessing your sins, letting the Lord in your life and blah, blah, and believe in Jesus that he was Lord and believe he's the Messiah and King. No, you cannot get saved that way. It sounds juicy. It sounds good, but you cannot get saved that way. Today, there's only one way to be saved. God is not going to compromise. He's not going to compromise and take you back to the four gospels of salvation because that's not the salvation for today. We're under a new program. So for the unsaved and for the ones that's witnessing, if you are unsaved and you want to know how to get saved, you must believe according to 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 4. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 4 is the gospel message for Today, everybody today, that's the way to be saved of believing what Jesus done. He said, but what about confessing your sins? What about what about my sins? Okay, let's get to that part. Now, this is what people have a problem with when it comes to forgiveness. Okay, let me go to some scriptures here now. All right, let me go to a few scriptures here. So I can get a start. What I really want you guys to Now, a lot of you guys probably don't have a Bible, but if you do, I want you to hear something. I read this in my last program. I'm going to keep throwing it out there until you get it in your head. Get it in your head so it it can get in your heart. All right. This is 1 Corinthians 5 and 18. Now, the reason you don't have to do that confessing your sins or nothing like that is because of this verse. Let's start at 18. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Price. Let me read that again. 
all things. Remember, I explained in my last podcast, what is all things? I'm not talking about the buildings and cars or what man made. I'm talking about the atmosphere, the nature, space, heavens, and stuff like that. Okay, you shouldn't have that bad now. For the newbies, that's what I'm talking about. 2 Corinthians 5 and 18. All things are of God who hath reconciled, brought us back together, or brought himself, or connected himself. He hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, let's go by God when he said, when Paul says, who hath reconciled us by him, to himself by Jesus Christ. Why? Why did God, how did God reconcile us, reconcile himself to us? Now, us is the church. Us is the body of Christ. Okay. He's just, let, he's he's got a point. But us, remember I said in the last podcast, us means the church, the body of Christ. God reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. Now, what do you mean by Jesus Christ? Because of what Jesus Christ done after his resurrection, the atonement, the final sacrifice, the final sacrifice for everybody's sin that's in the world, okay? Now, this is after the cross. I'm going to try to explain it the best way I can. And all things are of God who have to reconcile us to himself by Jesus Christ of what he done on the cross, his death, burial, resurrection, and hath given to us. Remember, us is the church, the body of Christ. That's anybody that's saved, not the unsaved, the saved. Us is the church, the body of Christ, the ministry of reconciliation. First of all, I'm going to get back to that. But let's go to 19. 19 says, listen to the words again, to wit that God was in Christ, was in Christ, reconciling the world, W-O-R-L-D, not us this time, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. Listen to this very closely because this is where the disagreements come in, even though it's very plain. Not imputing their trespasses unto them. Let me read this again. To wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. If you don't understand what he mean by imputing, it means, let me read out the Living Bible more plainly. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. The world sounds more broader than people, so I like the King James, the world. Okay, not charging the world's sin against them and hath committed unto us. Now it's back to us, us as the church, the body of Christ, the word of reconciliation. Then it goes on to 20, saying, now then we are ambassadors for Christ. Now ambassadors is for the believers, the unbelievers. Now, with that said, you can go to different translations. And I'm not recommending it by them, but go to different translations. Whatever translations that you have and go to 2 Corinthians 5 and 19. No matter how wrong a lot of those translations are, and they are a lot of them is wrong, including the Living Bible that I read out of. I don't use it for study, just paraphrasing reasons, if it's accurate and correct. No matter what, when it comes to 2 Corinthians 5 and 19, 
it's going to say the same thing. Not imputing or not or reckoning or counting. It's going to be the, be imputing, reckoning, or not counting or not charging sins against the world. It's going to come out the same way no matter what translation you use. It's, that's how plain and how simple that means. God is not charging no one for their sins. Okay? No one for their sins. Many churches disagree with that, even though this is right in their face, and they will try to debunk what I am saying and others that say this. The only way they'll try to debunk it, they will go back in time past. They will go back through the Gospels or Acts or whatever like that. They say, what about the people in the past that died? See, the problem with that is that will be true what they're saying when they debunk that if it was under the same dispensation, if it was under the same program. People died with their sins under Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and any uh, anything beyond that, before that, not beyond, but before that. They die in their sins. See, they died in their sins when it came to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay. Now, if you go to Romans 5, 13 and 14, let's go there. Now, I'm going to read this, and I'm going to piggyback. So I'm, I'm trying to help the unsaved. I'm trying to help the believers that's got this mentality of works before salvation or getting rid of their sins. They, they have a hard time believing that everybody in the world's sins are forgiven. I know why. I know why they, they have a hard time with that. Okay. Let's go to Romans 5, uh, 13 and 14. 13 reasons, Romans 5 and 13, for until the law, sin was in the world. But listen closely to this. But sin is not imputed or charged against anyone when there is no law. Let me read this again. <clears throat> Let's go to 12 first. I like context. Wherefore, as by one man, one man's sin, that one man was Adam's sin, entered into the world because of what Adam done is disobedience and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men afterwards for that all have sin. Okay, that's Adam. For till the law, 13, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed when there is no law. Now let's go back to 2 Corinthians 5 and 19. When is sin not charged against no one? If you say when there is no law, you are correct. <clears throat> God cannot charge no one with sin if there's no law to break. So this is not the first time God wasn't charging anyone with sin. Okay. Time passed. In the days of Adam, there was no law. When Adam and Eve disobeyed God, remember Satan told them, you know, the reason God don't want you to do that because you be, you will become as gods. Now, who the gods he was talking about was basically the angels. 
they was they was known as little gods and whatever like that. That's another teaching on that. But as gods, that's that's knowing the difference from good and evil. So basically, it was talking about the angels. Angels know knew of good from evil. <clears throat> Notice they didn't say sin, but good from evil. So when Adam and Eve did break God's law that was not put out there yet to the human race, because there was no human race yet, they sinned in the eyes of God. And they understood the difference between good and evil. Remember the tree of knowledge, just knowing the difference between good and evil, the tree of knowledge, which God forbid them not to eat, but Eve and Adam done it, Okay. There was no law. It went to Mo- why? Do you say what about Moses? Didn't, and didn't uh, Noah them get this? I mean, the uh, ones that Noah they get destroyed because of sin. Yes, they did. But it was only the only one knew the knowledge of sin was God. <clears throat> so God, by being all knowing, knew the reason to destroy them. He knew the basis of sin because he's the creator. He knows sin. They didn't know sin, but what they did know was good and evil, right and wrong. It was in their heart. You see, they couldn't say, okay, I sin, I sin, because there was no law to tell them that they they did sin, but they knew right from wrong. So they got punched because of their evil, wicked ways. It wasn't a name put on it. And it was sin, but God was on our God only knew about sin. Sin wasn't exposed or explained until Exodus 24, the law of Moses. You understand what I'm saying? So God did not destroy them so much because they knew about they were sinning. They, he destroyed them because of their wickedness. They knew good and evil. They knew right, right from wrong, which is sin, but they didn't know that. Okay. So he wasn't imputing sin against them in time past. Then came the law. To Israel, the Jews. I know this is getting kind of long, but I'm trying to help you all. Then came the law, the Jews. The law came out. Sin was explained. What was sin? I mean, what was the law for, period? Do anybody know that? Think about it. What was the law for anyway? I'm going to help you all here. The law was for one reason, to show you your sins. What is sin? So they didn't have no excuse. They know what sin is. The law was not for them to be perfect because they couldn't follow it. Over 613 laws and the different type of laws, you know, they couldn't even follow the moral laws. And I still don't understand why people think they could follow the moral laws, which is the 10, what, the 10 commandments, you know. <clears throat> See, the law was for to show them their sins. They could never fulfill it. Only one fulfilled it was Jesus. They got cleansed by certain sacrifices, and then they sinned again. And then they had to do it again or whatever like this. Some uh, for individuals and some for nations, the nation of Israel, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm not, that's too much of a teaching on that. But the law was for to show them their sins. Time passed. God could not charge you with sins because they was like babes. They didn't know what sins were, but they knew good from evil, just like a child knows good from evil. When a child come out, see, it's almost like automatically, and when you tell them to stop, they don't know if something is bad until it shock them or hurts them or they fall or whatever like that. Then they're very curious about it. Until they have been taught that's wrong, then they're looking funny. But it's almost like an automatic thing. They know the difference between wrong and right because before they do something, they give you that look. 
they know they're finna do wrong or before they go, finna walk somewhere, most children, you know, let me put it that way, they already have it within them right from wrong. They might not know the name of it, but they know the difference between, most children know the difference between right and wrong. They just come out rebellious. It's that sin nature. See, babies come out rebellious, want their way, crying and hollering. That's rebellious, rebellion. They come out because of the sin nature. They come out, want to do their own thing. See, it's always been like that when it comes to disobeying God. So that that knowledge of good and evil that Adam and Eve understood was spreaded. Not only was the sin spreaded to the rest of the world, uh, the future-wise as well, at that time and in the future, but knowledge of good and evil was also. So right and wrong was always in a person's heart, even though they didn't know what sin was, they knew good from evil. You see what I'm saying now? So God was in charge of them with sin until the law of Moses came in Exodus 24. You can start off in Exodus 19, Exodus 24. You know, that's when Moses broke down a lot of laws was to show them, okay, this is the wrong thing you're doing. This is what God punishes you for. So you have no excuse. And he was talking about the nation of Israel. Okay. Anyway, so God wasn't at that time, wasn't imputing sins against no one. He wiped them out because of their good. They knew good from evil and their wickedness. That's why he made some type of power teaching on certain points, you know, God is more pleasing with, just say, for instance, Israel knew the law. But if they didn't follow the law, that was not pleasing. I don't care how much you know it if you don't obey it. It's nothing to God. But the Gentiles, they didn't even have the law. But they were still obeying God because they knew good from evil. That's why Paul was talking about the ones with the law and the ones without the law. The ones with the law was Israel. The ones without the law was the other nations, the Gentiles. But they was listening to God and they didn't even have the law. But they knew right from wrong. And they was hungry to do the right thing. Israel had the law and still was disobeying God. You see what I'm talking about? So wherever there's no law, there is no sin to judge you by. Now, the difference with this is, the difference with this is, people listen to me closely. This is for the believers and for the unbelievers. Now, if you're not saved, don't worry about your sin because under the teachings of grace, the gospel of the grace of God, according to 2 Corinthians 5 and 19, and a lot of Paul's teaching and his Romans uh, Philemon teaching. If you read the books of Paul, and I'm gonna go through that myself as well, you would ne- you would not hear Paul teaching about repenting and forgiveness of sins. Why? Because there's no sins to be forgiven for, because Jesus took care of everyone's sin on the cross. And it was only explained to the Apostle Paul. It wasn't explained. Jesus didn't tell Peter another them like that. Matter of fact, he cared, he kept it hidden from them because they didn't understand why he had to die on the cross because the Bible said it was hidden from them. So God does keep things hidden. Go to Deuteronomy 29 and 29. It explains God does have certain things he hid from people until a certain time. Well, anyway, when a person have a hard time grasping that, there's several reasons why they cannot accept a person 
everybody in the world before salvation sins has been forgiven. Not when Jesus was on the earth. I'm not talking about when Jesus was alive, when he was walking the earth. Let me keep putting emphasis on that. I'm not talking about when Jesus was alive, walking on the earth. I'm not even talking about when Jesus died on the cross. Because when Jesus died on the cross, they were still in the gray area. They didn't didn't understand the full why. When Jesus was resurrected, the full why of what happened, when he said, it is finished, for God so loved the world, that was explained what really happened only to the Apostle Paul. What really happened? You can go to Romans and all that. Romans 4, 5, 6, it breaks it down. What happened on the cross? But who breaks it down? Jesus Christ teaches the Apostle Paul. Okay? So you got to stop limiting it to Jesus, to the red letters of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's another error that a lot of believers get caught up in. They, they limit Jesus' teachings only to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which is not for our teachers today. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying don't read it. We must read those because we can get a lot of principles out of that. And a lot of those things in there are still somewhat universal today that we must do, but it's not under a commandment. But the majority of it, it was for Israel. It was for the kingdom program, the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. Okay. All right, you listeners, you got that straight. So under the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John program, trying to make it simple, they got saved on performance basis. They had to believe who Jesus was, Israel. They was future priests to go out in the world, but they never made it. World as in Gentiles. They had to repent. They had to be baptized for the cleansing and water. We don't have to today. That was under the the kingdom of heaven program, kingdom of heaven program. Back then, they could lose their salvation because they had to endure to the end. They had to follow the commandments. Back then, under the kingdom program, you, you, you see where I'm going now. So there was still a very serious sin issue back then. They can die in their sins. Jesus said, if you don't believe that I am he, you will die in your sins because you do not believe that I am he. Who is he that I am your Messiah? I am your king. He was talking to Israel, the Jews, not the Gentiles. Gentiles had the other issues. They were still messed up because they knew good from evil. They wasn't under no covenant, but they still knew right from wrong. So they still got judged too. You follow what I'm saying, but let's go back there. They had, to, they had to believe that Jesus was who he said he was, their king and their Messiah, let alone the Son of God and God. They had to believe that under the kingdom of heaven program. I hope this is not too heavy for your listeners. I'm, I'm, my point is, yes, it was an issue with sin. Yes, when people died back then, they died in their sins. They died in their sins because it was performance basis then under the Israel program, okay? The problem with believing in the forgiveness part is because many believers that I see and believe, they they, they, they loop all the for, forgiving you of your sins 
was like temporarily back then under the Gospels because you always have to sacrifice something. You always have to repent. That's what the sacrificial sacrifice was for. But under the gospel of the grace of God, Jesus explained to Paul, he was the final sacrifice, sacrifice for the whole world, the present on up, past, present, and future. Jesus was the final sacrifice. See, he was the final atonement. There was no more sacrifice after Jesus. Because he was the final sacrifice. That means he took on the whole world's sin. Past, present, and future. Everybody's sin on his back. He took that. When he said it was finished, he dealt that. But it was not explained to the apostles of Peter and all this. It was only explained to the apostle Paul under the dispensation, under the administration of the gospel of grace program to the apostle Paul, which is the apostle of the Gentiles. You understand what I'm saying? So when I say all beings and women's sins are forgiven and there's no one, God is not charging no ones for sins under the grace program, since Paul started in Acts 9, thousands of years ago, that program, everybody's sins has been forgiven. Not before that. Do you get what I'm saying now? So when people say, what about the ones that died black? But no, no, no. Yes, they was under sin. They they wasn't their sins wasn't forgiven. They had to, it was a performance base. See, they was under the law. But we remember where there is no law, there is no what? Sin. So once again, we're not under the law, so there's no sin to be charged for us to be charged with. That's not only for the saved, that's for the unsaved as well. The world. When the Bible talks about Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. About the world, God means the world. Nobody is being charged for sin today. If they go to hell today, it's not based on their sin. I don't care how good you think you are or how wicked to the wicked you think you are. You're not being you're not going to hell because of your sin. You're going to hell because of not believing what Jesus done, not believing it that he took care of all your sins, not believing that he was he, he rose and died for the sins. You understand what I'm saying? Understand what I'm saying. Now, Trey Cersei can really break this down. I don't know if you heard of Trey Cersei from Truth Time Radio. He really breaks this down better than I can. But it's simple enough to understand if you get out of that preconceived, subjective type of denominational, traditional belief, you can see it plainly. 
And that should make you more joyful. It makes me joyful that I don't have to tell a person they need to stop sinning no more because there's no sin for them to stop doing. Now, because their sins are forgiven does not mean they will not sin again. I explained it in the last podcast. You still have your sin nature. You have not been, they have not been delivered from their sin nature, so therefore they will continue to sin. God is just not charging them for their sin. That don't mean they're going to stop sinning. That don't mean they have a new nature that they won't sin again. It just means they have been forgiven for any sins that they do from now on. Another thing that Trey Searcy said that really opened up my mind, remember, the unbeliever spirit, man, is dead. It's almost like he's non-existent. He's not even there. Only way he's, he comes to the eyes of God and his spirit is made alive where he believed what Jesus done for those sins. You have to believe to be saved, but you don't have to believe to be forgiven. Let me say this again. You do have to believe to be saved to go to heaven, but you don't have to believe to be forgiven because whether you believe you're forgiven or not, you still are forgiven. That's why you can still go to hell. So it's not based on your belief that you're forgiven like a lot of teachers and ministers teach. It ain't got nothing to do with your believing when it comes to forgiving. It's just like I forgive you. Whether you believe I forgive you or not, does not mean I don't forgive you. I forgive you. You don't have to accept it, but I still forgive you. It has nothing to do with your accepting it. It's, that does not make it not true. You understand what I'm saying? You are forgiven. Person that's listening to me, is your sins has been forgiven. But the thing is it now, you need to be saved. The only thing, what happened on the cross was, that was explained to the Apostle Paul, Jesus forgave everybody's sins, past, present, and future, no matter what sin. That's why the Bible says, well, grace, well, sin abounds, grace much more abound. That means there ain't enough sin out there that you can do that God's grace has not already covered. Now, that's, you should say amen for that. Unsaved, your sins have been covered by the blood, okay? Now you have to do is believe it. When it comes to salvation, not the forgiveness, salvation, believing what Jesus done according to First Corinthians 15, 1 to 4. You, you, you getting this. I'm trying to, I'm going to keep on throwing this out there so my listeners can get it so they won't be uh, hoodwinked and bamboozled no longer. It has nothing to do when somebody asks you, have you done this? Have you done it? You are a sinner. Now, you know, you know, you might be a sinner, but it's not being charged against you. That'll blow their mind. Because they just, they sin, they sin too. But God is not charging no one for sin. What they need to be telling you, you need to believe what Jesus done. You need to believe that. It's, t- it's, it's belief. Okay? It's belief. It's your belief of what Jesus done, not your sin. It has nothing to do with sin no more under this dispensation. You're still going to sin. If you're living in sin, you're going to continue to do that. But God is not charging you against that. We ain't God. It's almost like you're non-existent. He's not charging no sin. Why? Because there's no law. Wherever there's no law, there is no sin. He cannot charge you for sin because there's no law to charge you to saying you was wrong. Jesus got all that on him. Past, present, and future. It's all on Christ. Now the doors are open. So when God look at you, he don't see no sin. The thing that was blocking him from saving you from the first place it's been taken care of unsaved person so when he looks at you now and you come with that genuine 
repent of mine heart, not repenting of your sin, because it ain't got nothing to do with sin. When you come to that genuine, genuine belief, I put emphasis on that because that takes away that easy believism. You have to genuinely want to just say, man, I'm tired of being like this. I believe what he done. And I want to get myself together. I believe. Then you are saved. Your spirit, man, will be made alive. Then God can see you. Then he, you will be reconciled back to God. Remember, he already reconciled himself back to the world. How? By what Jesus done. That's why I said through Jesus, Jesus took care of the sins. So God said, okay, it's just like this. Wow. My son took care of all that mess that was in that room. Now I can see everything. Because the whole house is clean. Might be a bad analogy, but you follow what I'm saying. The whole house is clean. Spotless. Spotless. Now, the spotlessness got to do with your sins, not your acts, but your sin, because your sins have been put on Jesus. Adultery, fornication, all that, all that other crap, homosexuality, all that type of sin actions. The penalty for it has been put on Jesus, but you still do the acts. That's why you can't go to heaven. See, you've not been charged for sin. You get, you've been charged for not believing he done that. He took care of your sins and believing what he done for you. Okay? So sin is not your problem. It's your unbelief of what Jesus done, that he took care of all that already by dying on the cross. You have to put that together. Not who he was, but what he did. He took care of the world's sins for you. You have to believe that. And the only way to believe that is believe he rose for that, for your salvation. And once you believe he died and rose again for that, your spirit, man, comes alive. God resurrects you in Christ. You get baptized in Christ, okay? You get filled and sealed with the Holy Spirit all at one time. You ain't going to see no stars. You ain't going to start speaking in different languages because that's not needed today. That's another misconception. That's not true. You're not going to do that. You're going to you're not going to feel nothing. You might feel natural joy, but you ain't going to feel none of that crazy, you know, none of that weird stuff. No, let's not get into that. But you believe in by faith. You're going to be saved by faith. No feelings. Just your faith. That means you will be reconciled back to God. God already reconciled himself back to you. So now you will be reconciled back to God once you believe what he done on the cross sincerely, generally. You just can't use no lip service because God know if you messing around or I like to use the term fake Jake and what. You can't fool God. You might fool me and others, but you can't fool God. That's why the majority of people that go up to the altar ain't really saved. They're going by emotions and feelings. They ain't going to genuine repentance. Changing their ways, not sin. Ways hard because sin is not the issue. When you do that and you really believe God generally or what he done on the cross, after the cross, I like to call it the other side of the cross, you will be saved. Now, this is the other beautiful part. And I'm going to end with this. I cannot say there's no plan but I'll keep throwing it out there because I have different listeners. This is another beautiful part that you need to understand. Listen to this. Because you are forgiven, does not mean you are saved. I cannot say this enough. Because you have been forgiven for all your sins, whatever sins you've done in the past, present, and the future, you cannot be saved. You still have not been saved. So all you are right now, if you're not saved, you're just forgiven of your sins, which is a good thing. But the ultimate prize that you want is to be saved. 
if you want to go to heaven, you can't, you will not be able to go to heaven just because your sins have been forgiven. Let me say this again. You cannot go to heaven just because your sins have been forgiven. Now, this is also the confusion when it comes to forgiveness and justification. Some ministers are teaching that in order to be justified, you have to be forgiven and you can't be forgiven until you be justified. No. No. Forgiveness and justification are two separate things. They don't come together. Forgiveness does not mean justification. If it meant justification, that means you are saved. I just told you you cannot be saved just by being forgiven. So justification and forgiveness does not come in one package. They are very separate. That's why they are very different, separate verses and scriptures in the Bible. Purposely. They don't come together. That's why they're separated. Separation means they don't come at one time. The forgiveness part is separated from justification. The justification part is separation, separated of you being forgiven. You already have been forgiven thousands of years ago, 2,000 years on the cross. You already have been forgiven. Now, the way to be justified is being saved. The way to be righteous in the eyes of God is to be saved. The, one, the way to be redeemed is to be saved. The way to be glorified and get these new bodies and everything like that for the heavenly places is to be saved. The one to get the heavenly prizes and the rewards at the beam of seat of Christ, the judgment seat of Christ, is to be saved. You see all that you are missing. You That's why you can go to hell by just being forgiven. You can't go to heaven. Forgiveness and salvation is not together. They're separate. Forgiveness and salvation is not the same. You are forgiven, and that's it. When you get saved, do you get the other free parts with it? Justification, righteousness, redemption, glorifications, heirs of God, joint heirs of God, going to the heavenly places, the new miraculous immoral bodies. All that come just by believing what Jesus done after the cross when he died. Forgiveness and salvation is not the same. Forgiveness and justification are not the same. Forgiveness and you being righteous most definitely is not the same. You have just been forgiven if you're not saved. You just like you're not you just non existent. You need a jump. You become a new creature. Not born again. That's Israel. Israel is born again. You become a new creature. That's why Paul put emphasis on new. Old things have passed away. Right after that verse, behold, all things have become new. Old things have passed away. You are a new creature in Christ after salvation. Now you are justified because of what Jesus done. Now you are righteous because of the righteousness of Christ. Now you have been going to be redeemed at the rapture of the catching away of the church. You want to have glorified immortal bodies. You're going to have certain rewards. What rewards? I don't know about that. Or you might have none. I don't know. But you still will be saved. See, that's the total package is when you believe. 
not forgiveness. Forgiveness does not give you nothing but forgiveness of sins. You're still dead in Christ. To be alive in Christ, to be saved and get the other benefits, you have to believe that. You have to believe what Jesus done on the cross. According to 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4, that brings justification. Justification is, and uh, forgiveness don't let nobody fool you. They don't come together. You don't need to be forgiven first to be justified. You already have been forgiven. Now you need to be justified. You've been forgiven first. Now salvation is the next part. The doors have been opened. Let's go back to the house. The house is clean now. Now I can see clearly. All you have to do is accept my invitation now. It's almost like the prodigal son in Luke 15. You have to accept my invitation now. See, it's all about you now. I'm not going to make you do anything. I'm using men as an example. I'm not saying I'm God, but I'm using this as an example. You have to believe it and accept it. And once you accept it and you receive my invitation, then those other one things come with it. Salvation, justification, righteousness, redemption, glorification, rewards, stuff like that, and the heavenly places with Jesus Christ as your head of the body of Christ, Lord and Savior. So do not let from now on for the saved, stop telling people that you're talking to that they need to stop sinning. First of all, they can't stop doing it, and you can't either. So stop telling them they need to stop doing it. I don't care what it is. Now it's good to get your life together. Don't get me wrong. I need to stop doing the things because sin always brings a negative, you know, think about it. It's sometimes even to death. See, so sin is always bad, but don't base that on them being saved. Now you know, and you take them to these scriptures. 2 Corinthians 5 and 19, start at 18. You, you, you tell them how to be saved just by believing what Jesus done according to 1 Corinthians 15, 1 and 4. And then after salvation, if they ask, okay, where, where do I start reading the Bible? My uh, recommendation is just a recommendation is start out in the book of Romans and yourself. Read the book of Romans because that's going to help him and yourself grow and the knowledge of what happened on the cross, especially when you get the four, five, six, and seven, and eight, because nine goes back to Israel, et cetera, and the fall of Israel, Romans 9. Read the book of Romans. Some people call it the Romans row, and read the letters of Paul, slowly but surely. Don't run, don't run right through it, because remember, reading and studying is two different things. Read it and then study it so they can grow. Now, I'm not saying don't read nothing else in the Bible, but make that be your main goal. Romans. Then you don't understand what Jesus done and who he was when he was on the, uh, when he was on the earth. Take up to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, so they can know what Jesus was doing when he was on the earth. But make sure you let them know that's not what we follow today. Okay, we no longer, according to Second Corinthians five, I believe sixteen or seventeen. The word of God said, we no longer follow any man after the flesh. We used to follow Jesus after the flesh. Now, for now on, we don't follow him that way no more. Now, I'm paraphrasing what that verse says, but what it says, we don't follow Jesus' earthly ministry no more. That's when Jesus was on earth, we don't follow that earthly ministry. That was for Israel and the kingdom program. 
We follow Jesus Heavenly Ministry under the Apostle Paul. Two different type of programs, which in this program under the gospel of grace, that's why people don't understand grace today. When God took care of sins, he took care of the whole world sin, the saved and the unsaved. The only difference is the saved person going to heaven and the unsaved is forgiven from all their sins, but they're still going to hell if they don't get saved. God bless you all. Hope you got something out of that. You know the way to be saved. Receiving Jesus as your Savior by believing on what he done on the cross, according to 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4. That's the way to be saved. Has nothing. Your sins are not holding you back. It's your belief that he took care of your sins. And how he done it? By dying, by raising back down in his burial and his resurrection. I'm getting tongue-tagged now. It's time to stop. <laughs> I get excited, too. So I hope this helps the believers, and I hope it helps the ones that's not saved. If you're still stuck on your sins, don't go to hell worrying about stop sinning because you won't do it. God don't see no sin. He sees your unbelief under the dispensation of grace. This is Joseph Brownlee, a body of Christ real talk. Thank you. Love you. God bless you. This is good news. It should make you stronger. But some believers are so, uh, this is what I was going to say. Some believers are still caught up in a denominational religion. This should be good news for them. But they still stuck on on a performance basis because I believe, and I might be wrong, but I believe they make them look good when they tell a person, you know, you need to get out your sin. You need to be forgiven first. It makes them look good because it makes them feel like they done something to get it right. Now, they didn't do nothing either. They got saved because they believe, not because they stopped sinning or they needed to be forgiven of their sins. And I'm talking to grace teachers, too, and believers. Don't believe that. Don't believe that they're stuck in that denominational Baptist or Pentecostal type of thinking, wherever they come from. Your sins have been dealt with. Well, God said it was finished when he said he's not imputing no one's sins against them. The world-wise, he meant it. Take it literally. He meant it. You can't look at it no other way. Okay? God bless you all body of Christ real talk. If you don't like this message, tough luck, tough cookie, as we used to say. You got to deal with the word of God with that. You know, I'm not here to debate you or argue with you, because you ain't coming with the right scriptures no more. I, I don't. You ain't wasting my time. You ain't wasting my time. I'm just telling you what the word of God says. You can take it or leave it. Stop teaching people they need to stop sinning to be saved. When sin is not even an issue no more. Jesus took care of that part. Shame on you with your religious self. And I'm talking to believers too. God bless you. Love you. Bye-bye. Let's tell people the truth. Let's find real truth. Now, some of you are don't didn't know this. And I hope you just change your mind the way you witness to somebody. Because that's very important. So don't babysit people talking about sin. With that lordship, salvation, and Calvinism type of teaching. Get off that. Read the Bible. Learn what the Bible said. I had to do this, too. I am so happy that I ain't got to pressure nobody about, man, you need to stop sinning. You need to repent. Repent don't mean stop sinning. It just means change your mind. Yeah, you do need to change your mind and get yourself right with God by believing what he done on the cross for those sins that you have been already forgiven for. That's called taking off and putting on. Taking off and putting on. 
And some of you are not going to change. You're going to continue to do it. I'm not saying you're not saved, but you're leading people. And you, 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 you're going to run some people back because the first thing you're going to say, man, how can I do that, man? You mean I'm not forgiven? I have to do this? I have to. They, they, you keep them focused on their sins, and you should know better than that. Just as your sins has been dealt with at the cross, theirs too. They just ain't saved. You need to be telling them about salvation, not forgiveness of sins. God bless you all. Love y'all. This is Joseph Brownlee, Body of Christ, Real Talk. Love y'all. Peace out. Bye-bye. Left out, baby. <laughs> Love you all. Love you all. Love you all. Now, I'm going to leave you with this. You don't need to be forgiven to be saved. You just need to be saved because you already have been forgiven. Let me say this again. You don't need to be forgiven first to be saved. You just need to be saved because you already have been forgiven over 2,000 years ago. God bless you. Love you all. Peace out. I'll leave you with that. Get in zone. AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? I got to change the oil in my car. Right now, get five quarts of Pennzoil Platinum Full Synthetic with an STP Extended Life Oil Filter for only $36.99. What do I do with my old oil? We can recycle your used oil for free. And do you have oil for my old work truck? You can find the right high mileage oil to help it go farther right here at AutoZone. Get in zone, AutoZone. Restrictions apply.